Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 80s TV Land. I'm so sexy and so pretty. 80s TV Johnson. And this is Susan Lambert Haddam. Welcome to 80s TV Ladies. We have a very special crossover episode today where we are bringing on the folks from What Difference Does It Make, an 80s music podcast, so that we can continue the discussion we started on their show and just kept talking. So you guys get to hear the last half of the conversation. Please introduce yourselves and welcome to the show. Happy to be here. This is Dave. And I'm Holly. Thank you for having us. All right. The exciting conclusion. We're very excited to be a part of this episode. We are the What Differences Make podcast. We're happy to be here uh, with the 80s TV ladies. Yes. We're 80s music. You're 80s TV. We're cramming them together to make one amazing show where we talk about mm-hmm. TV music or music from that 80s we're... TV music. 80... I'm sorry. Well, why don't we get right into it? Let's do. If you want to hear the first part of this conversation, jump on over to their podcast, What Difference Does It Make? The links are in our description. It is sort of funny how many of these theme songs were played on the radio, mm-hmm. which, you know, we don't really have theme songs anymore and we don't really have a lot of radio. <laughs> Although Kate Bush had a number one hit thanks to Stranger Things, her placement on. Well, there. Uh, yeah, no, there's a lot um, of retro things going on. Right. Well, I, I just use that as an example. I'm sure there's other, um, you know, there's been other. You know, it's all about yeah. placement. Like our my kids know songs that were, you know, because they they've been on a Netflix yeah. show. Suddenly they they know the words to you know to running up that hill and things. But it's like interesting. That. We were just actually we did a special episode talking about Barbie, um, oh, which right. is not eighties, but we we felt we needed to talk about it. Um, <laughs> but that was the first um, sort of soundtrack in a long time that I went to find. Right, like I oh, was. Right. It, you know, where it's like, I wasn't just one song. I was like, no, I want to listen to every song involved with this movie. And um, I, you know, I kind of miss that. I kind of miss, you know, wanting the soundtrack to movies and uh, shows. But it's harder to have iconic moments that everyone is listening to and music that everyone hears. It's not, that's never anymore. That's, that's a thing of the past. I mean. Yeah. Can you name a number one? Song? I mean, as I'm listing off these number ones, you know, like mentioning wh- where they were on the charts, I don't know the number one song. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if someone I, said this was the number one song, I I wouldn't know it, even though I, I pay fairly close to, or, you know, I try and keep yeah. up. 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't know the number one song on, especially on Spotify. Like I look, I've looked at those charts and it's, I, I feel very old. Just well, really. that's, that's the other thing. There are multiple places that, that claim to name the number one song these days. And back then there was really basically one source that right. tracked all of that. Yeah. And it was all, of you fun. know, yeah, it was a so fun we were all looking, yeah, we were all looking at the same thing and that's part of what's changed and made it different in yeah. those, in, in that regard. But also along those lines, we can all claim to be number one somewhere, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Some maybe. source will, you know, oh, our own made up we, source. We do, <laughs> not, not, we do it on our podcast. We're number one on good pods. I don't know if you know that. We've been, <laughs> you can, awesome. yeah. I know. Like, I don't know how they figure out their charts, but I've got, you know, I do a screenshot. You got it. I got it. We were number one. There, <laughs> there we go. go. <laughs> For a minute. We'll take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So speaking of number one, there was, what's the song I'm thinking okay. of that was from a show. It was, uh, these two characters came together. They had their dance together on this show. It's, you know, okay, I'm going to go as part of must see TV. Oh. I, I'm sure it was on, oh. it was on before cheers. I, I believe it was on. It was one of those Thursday shows and Reinfeld. and let's cut out. And it, it wasn't Cosby. It was, it wasn't, but <laughs> not what I was thinking. And it wasn't um, cheers. And I think it was on at eight 30 on Thursday. So it wasn't moonlighting. No, but that's another good one. Al Jarreau. Yeah, that's a good thing. I love, I just played it yesterday as, and I was transported back. I love, love, love that. Are you guys going to do moonlighting? You should totally do. That we one. will we it's will look at moonlighting at some yes. point. Oh, I, I love that one. That one was great. That was Sunday nights. This was Thursday nights. I'm and total blank. Seinfeld was messy TV. Seinfeld. Well, okay. That was, was before, 90s. That was 90s. Oh, we're looking, 90s. At, we're looking yeah. at the 80s. It was a family. Uh, you know. Family times, whatever was. Oh, no. yes. I, 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 sh I would have been, if we were playing Password, I would have been thrown out, but uh, <laughs> I would have been buzzed. <laughs> Wait yes. a minute. Was that Family Ties, the Michael J. Fox, was that on NBC? It was. I was thinking it was on another network because I was thinking, what would you think? Yes. The, that, that song. Um, that was and, it. But I was like, no, it can't be that. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Bill, oh, Billy, well, I'm Billy Vera. Yeah, only because Beaters. you said family. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Sharon knows Billy, v Billy Vera and the Beaters together as we love them. Uh, uh, it went to number one. It did go to number one, and it was great that, song. And it was great because song. of that that one scene with uh, with Michael J. Fox and his future wife Tracy Pollard. Pollen. Mm -hmm. uh, Pollen. Okay, Tracy Pollen. Thank you, Holly. Holly's always correcting me on. I went so to so high school was... with a Tracy Pollard or something like. I'm sure. That's <laughs> like that. All right, so Tracy yeah, Pollen. But yeah, that was uh, yeah that that one moment. Like, like you mentioned, it was a moment that everybody saw and mm -hmm. all of a sudden like, okay, I want to, I want to hear this song on the radio. I'm going to buy the 45. I'm, you know, I, I love this, this, so that was the, the one, yeah. At this moment, that was the song. What do you think I would give at this moment if you'd stay, I'd subtract 20 years. My life, I'd fall down on my knees, 
kiss the ground that you walk on If I could just hold you again And it became the wedding song for people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. TV moments. I, I'm not saying that Sopranos brought back this song, but you know, when you talk about TV moments, that's what pops into my mind immediately for just playing association. That's a, okay. I think of Glee oh. when I think of don't stop believing. That's, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> no, but you're thinking, I didn't watch the Sopranos except for very, little but I know about the song at the end of the last episode. I think everybody knows anything about the Sopranos knows about that song. You want to yeah, fade to black. You want to, yeah. you want to feel old? The, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, the, the son now is the same age as Tony Soprano. At, at, the, really? at the start of his seat. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, yeah, there, I just, yeah, just all bringing it back to, being old. And, okay. This show, this, this does have lyrics. I don't think it made it on the charts at all, but do we, do we like, what do we think? If I said Jack Jones, what was the song that he sang? Oh, love boat. There you go. Like, like I'm an idiot. Yes, it, of course. Love. <laughs> Exciting and new. Come aboard. We're expecting you. Yeah. God, we could sing it. Right. <laughs> and yeah. very, very nice. Very nice. You could sing it. Yeah. I could tell you the lyrics, but you could sing it. <laughs> no, Sharon can sing it. Oh, oh is she? Sharon good? and our producer, Melissa, are the singers on our show. Oh. I like to sing, but should not. Oh, Susan, you hold your own. You're doing, you do very well. Yeah, that I was, can, that I was can, representative. Again, I remember lyrics, but. <laughs> Former bosom buddy was on the love boat. Everybody. Everybody. was on the love boat. <laughs> Exciting and new Come aboard We're expecting you But as I looked at this, 32 Oscar winners were on the love boat. Wow. Can you believe that? It's like Olivia de Havilland, uh, Shelley Winters, Helen Hayes, Rita Moreno. Donna Michi, Kathy Bates, Jamie Lee Curtis was on the show. Tim Robbins, Gene Kelly, Mickey Rooney, Debbie Reynolds. All right. It's right. so I just I was looking up something for the 80s. Right. And yeah. th this is what's so crazy and really does take you back to a different time is finding the promos. Oh, right. So there was a <laughs> promotional episode of The Love Boat featuring the stars of all the new ABC shows. <laughs> so literally it's this special love boat episode with, you know, Gopher and the captain Steubing and, and all the characters walking around to talk to all the stars of yeah. the new ABC fall shows going. So Brian Keith, <laughs> Tell us about Hardcastle McCormick and Daniel Luke Kelly is like, yeah, and it stars me too. You know, like it's the goofiest thing. I love it. And it's so conceptually weird. It was right. All, it was all it's weird. Like, okay. It's literally the characters from one very successful show in the setting of the love boat, introducing all the actors and stars of the new upcoming television shows on ABC 
And it's all very sort of tongue in cheek, but Gover is there as a fan taking Polaroid pictures of everybody. It's so weird. It's so, it's so like tele network promotional fall schedule the best. stuff. The best. Did, they re- did it run in the regular time slot of the love boat? Like they I ran don't know if it a- ran the regular time slot. Okay. It may have been a special, but so it, it wasn't a love boat episode. It was just a, like it's a presented 30- as sort of a love boat special. Okay. Kind of, yeah. So there's not a love boat episode, any storyline happening other than seems like Gopher wants to get a picture of Captain Steubing with all these stars. Love it. A Polaroid. Yeah. <laughs> I think back then that that is a brilliant way to promote because people will watch and they won't be offended the way we're offended now when something is so obviously promotion. Oh, well, well not you to also didn't it. have access to stars the same way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Brian Keith wasn't on Twitter or <laughs> Facebook or Instagram. So the only way to see Brian Keith talking about, you know, his show or just him being Brian Keith was in People magazine or a talk show. And, and that was about it. Right. So the like, oh, we're going to have a star studded event and you'll get to see all of our stars. You know, remember the like, what was the bait like where they played baseball of the stars? I was what about was that? To, no, I was about Battle to say the network stars. Thank you. That was the one I was going to bring up. That's what I <laughs> yeah. look forward to. I loved Battle of the Network Stars because I went they, to see it a couple of times in so, person. Yes. Because at, at it, uh, Pepperdine. Because Gabe Kaplan was serious. He he brought it. He brought his game. So did Robert <laughs> Conrad. And, yep. uh, and the, and, uh, you know, as a 12 uh, year old, I loved the dunk tank. It was all great. <laughs> I loved every moment of battle of the network stars. And I missed that, uh, those days, which they could never happen again, but still it was so much fun for me. At least back then the actors were able to be convinced to, or were willing to be a part of promotions like that. You can barely get them to do anything these days. Just as an aside, I was a, as I like to call it, an underling at um, ABC until recently in the marketing department and just trying to get them just to do, you know, regular promo stuff. It's like pulling teeth. They just don't want to. So you would never have something like that where you have all those people from all those shows in one place all at the same time, like Susan, you saw in that love boat on that love boat thing that that was amazing in and of itself so and for kids you didn't even necessarily like because we were pretty young you didn't immediately recognize it like this was programming you know Mm -hmm. this was just fun programming right so you didn't necessarily immediately recognize it as promotion we're so cynical now but i remember as a kid actually for the fall season even for like saturday morning cartoons i remember there was like a pregame like in August, they would have coming at Saturday morning shows and it would be hosted by, you know, someone that you knew from, you know, Sigma and the Sea Monsters or something. And, and they would, <laughs> they would show their new, like, here's a clip from our new new cartoon series or something. And uh, I, yeah, I, I loved all that stuff because you only had three a, choices. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> that was exciting as a TV viewer, not just, you know, that kind of programming to see what's coming, but the the TV guide where it had the listing of all the new shows and all the returning shows and what was going to be on when and all that kind of stuff. That was really exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know I kept a few of those TV guides. They may be in a box somewhere, God knows. But yeah, that certainly was a different time. We have all of Richard's TV guides. Oh, yeah. The attic of the garage. 
Uh, all of them. It's going to come crashing down one day from the waves of all the. Hey, that might be a fire hazard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Kindling. <laughs> uh, you mentioned montage. Did you have a favorite montage intro? You know, you had the music, and then you had like these these fun montages. Ooh. I remember. I don't know if you've ever seen. Adam Scott has done like a parody of like a recreation oh, of yes. Simon. And Simon. Yeah. Yes. Simon and Simon. Exactly. The yes. way he does it, it makes it look, so, yeah, it makes it look so ridiculous. Too close for comfort. He did that one as well. Um, yeah. Didn't he do the two cops, the blonde one and the, the one with the dark hair? I'm sorry. I can't remember. Starsky and um, Hutch. Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. Yes. I think they did that one too. Oh my God. They're so hilarious. But they're, yeah. Those are so, so, so the mon- so montages were always fun. Did you, <laughs> what was your favorite intro? Like what was the one that got you excited? To like, um, well, the A team. Good choice. I love, I really love, and I'm not saying this just because they were just, they were on our podcast. I really love the Cagney and Lacey one. Yeah. yeah. There's just so many interesting, and at first it's in New York City and they clearly shot most of it there. And I love that one. And of course the music is great. So that is one of my favorites, I think. Yeah. There's a couple of very iconic moments in that montage that are sort of burned into my head <laughs> as part of 80s television. One is them walking down the street amongst the crowd. Then there's another where Sharon Glass Cagney goes back to look at an outfit in the window. And then <laughs> Time Daily goes and grabs her and is like, we got to get going kind of. And then at the very end, they're coming out of the subway with a perp and, <laughs> um, and they pass a flasher who flashes them and Sharon Glass Cagney again gives him a look that basically is like, is that all you got? Like yeah. it's just very nonplussed and it's the very end of that montage. And it's really a moment that is really, I don't know, part of 80s television forever for me. Yeah. Yeah. And Sharon on our podcast um told us that the moment when she goes back and looks in the in the window, something she just did spontaneously it wasn't planned she just thought I, I should go look in this window and she did and now of course that's that's a as susan mentioned it's it's one of the best moments in that whole montage i love that one mm. <laughs> do you have another favorite susan well i you know to take it back to remington steel <laughs> please do um the montages for remington steel they sort of switch up a little bit a tiny bit every season but in i believe it's season Two or three. Two. They they basically have the two characters sitting in a movie theater watching a montage of themselves from the show and reacting to it <laughs> as as if somebody put these Super little meta. snippets together and they're like, yeah. you know, and and she's looking like, oh yes, I did do that. And he's like, How dare you do that? Like they're reacting to the clips of their own lives. <laughs> right. This movie they're ostensibly watching. And then of course they leave and leave the popcorn behind. So you think they've kind of like, Ooh, they got all sexy time, but 
it's such a weird use of the montage. It's such a nod to the show itself, which was so influenced by movies and television and often referenced movies that, you know, they used in the case. They're like, oh, this is just like, you know, one like, a, you know, some like it hot, which it was never like that, but I couldn't think of anything else. But, <laughs> um, but, and so it was such an interesting sort of meta opening montage, but that montage is really great. It's really great sort of montage of them in action. And um, I'm a big fan of the Hardcastle McCormick opening <laughs> again Stephen cannell rockford files again not so much the montage but the opening answering machine is right. so iconic i know that's 70s but that's okay um yeah and the golden girls montage is great also yeah it's yeah. It, it's really great so we get to see all of the ladies and get a little glimpse of you know who they are. So yeah. <laughs> and which, oh, and the Roseanne, the Roseanne montage with that camera that circles the the, the um, table, yeah. the table. Brilliant. It's just so great. <laughs> it really is. All right, Sharon, which golden girl are you? <laughs> oh, uh, there's there's no question for me. Um, <laughs> and of course, I can't think of B. Arthur's character's name, but Blanche. that's Dorothy or Dorothy. Dorothy I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, Dorothy. That would be me. That would be me. I'm I'm definitely definitely Dorothy. Nice, and Susan. You know, that's a, that's a good one. I, I'm, <laughs> um, I'm going to say I'm uh, Rose. I mean, like, I'm, I feel like I'm often clueless to the conversation. <laughs> like not one that I've prepped for, but one that I walk into. Sure. <laughs> I feel that way a lot. Um, yeah. Are you also a Rose, Holly? Dave, I would prefer for you to tell me who you think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, curious. Because, well, you always say you're, you're a little of everyone. That's, you can't just <laughs> choose one. Because I don't do, I don't do decisions. I'm, not, can't, I'm, can't I'm make any terrible decisions. with decisions. Yeah. Yeah, that, I can't. And, and right. so my default is I can tell you today who I feel like, but tomorrow it's going to be something, you know, it's my favorite today. I can tell you, <laughs> but acknowledging that tomorrow will be totally different. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But I can tell you, we have not mentioned any of these shows. The ones that I liked in the, in the eighties, I liked the, weirdly, the, I don't know if you call them procedurals, but like the LA Law, Hill Street Blues, which was a little bit earlier. Hill Street Blues was, no, Hill Street Blues yeah. was 80s. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that. Yeah. And LA Law, I loved those. And I liked the, I, I liked the female characters on those shows. I liked the attorneys. I loved Susan Day and, and um, Jill Eikenberry in LA Law. Mm -hmm. I, I love those. And Victoria Hamill in NYPD Blue. Um, Hill, Street Hill, Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love those shows. Are those procedurals? Would you consider them procedurals? Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah, those those are, are they practically well? They, LA Law for sure is well, a procedural. Yeah, um, Hill Street Blues is sort of a soap. I would say like more a, than a yeah, because it really was more about the cops and their lives than right. the case of the week. Oh, it's Ultimately, so weird, right? Like it became more character. As much about the character as it is about the cases, you know, what they're, what they were working yeah. on. Yeah, that's true. But there were some like with LA law, you're talking about like LA law. I'm talking about Hill street blues, Hill street blues. Yeah. I LA law is case. Yeah. LA is, is case of the week. Oh, that's so I mean, there's characters in there obviously, mm -hmm. but see, I, it's been, I have to admit, it's been a very long time since I've watched any LA law, but if I had had to choose, I would have said it was more character as opposed to case of the week driven that it was, that there may have been a case of the week, but it, the characters and the, their lives are more important than whatever oh. case. 
No, you're right. Sorry. I'm thinking law and order. Oh, oh. Oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, but that was totally case of the week. Yeah. Too many law shows in my head. <laughs> and I didn't always go for those, but those for some reason made a huge mark on me. Dave, did you watch those? Not so much. No, I was no. I was always uh yeah, more more of the comedies. I, I liked my my <laughs> Thursday lineup. That's what I was always attuned to. Yeah, I was more Hill Street Blues than LA Law, for sure. I didn't watch yeah. much LA Law. I watched them both. I love them both. They, yeah. they were all, yeah, I do know that, yeah, they, they were all great looking actors. That's all I know is that they, they're all beautiful, <laughs> beautiful people and just, and just, yeah. With their problems. Doing, yeah, yeah solving their problems. Problem. Yeah. Just doing, doing what they have to do. Which everyone was good looking on TV unless you are meant to not be. <laughs> you know, unless that was go, the intent. Go, go back to my favorite character in Cheers, whose name I cannot remember, but he was married to to Gene Kasem, and he was um, Nick. Oh. Was it Nick? Oh. Was his name Nick in the? Um, and it was Nick on Cheers. Yeah, I love. But him. we, I um, yeah, yeah. It was just kind of just this Carla's ex husband. Right? Yes, 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 that's yes. it. Yeah, my favorite. I loved him every time he stepped up. <laughs> he was a scene stealer every time. Well, what's interesting is. To me, there were actually so many more character actors on television in the 70s and 80s that weren't all traditionally good looking or in good looking in the same way. And yet every television show now, everybody in front of it is so fit. (laughs) It's on one hand, it's great. And on the other hand, you're like. Is there no one normal looking in this show? Yeah. We just, oh, of course, I mean, this may not be fair, but we're catching up on Sex Lives of College Girls. Oh. Which, by the way, totally delivers on the title. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Every episode. Yeah. Yeah. But also, the men in that show. Oh, ridiculous. Are just. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's, it's. Apparently every frat is filled with magic mic people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Did you uh anybody watch Wednesday? No. Yes. I haven't watched Wednesday. Oh, yes. Okay. There oh, okay. So there's one iconic scene. I'm going back to the bringing that a dance to, in the 80s. There was the cramps. Uh they did uh Goo Goo Muck and Jenny Ortega dances to that like uh just this iconic scene now. And that kind of Helped uh, help the cramps, uh, you know, suddenly, suddenly to, kids, to, kids know who to, that is. I have to admit, um, I had heard about the dance, that there was some sort of dance at some <laughs> point, And then I watched it and went, huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. Is that, is that what you're saying? Well, I, it's, it was, it was interesting, but I, it wasn't something that I would have if I had not known about all the hype around it that I necessarily would have thought would have created that kind of reaction. Isn't it um, just like a but, fun scene? Can you yeah. it just seem like that? What were you? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was just a, it seemed like it was like a, you know, it was like a TikTok moment or something like kids were starting I, to copy yeah. what, what exactly this dance, you know, it was choreographed kind of like thriller. Same, same, same <laughs> idea. Anyway, yeah. I like I liked it. And I'm glad the the cramps got their moment as well with uh, with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm me too. I have to admit, I didn't recognize the song. It was like a song from the '60s at the cramps. Like, oh, like a, okay, yeah. That they uh, well, actually, I wrote it was originally by Ronnie Cook and the Gay Lads. 
Seriously, that's what I uh, released in 1962 uh, off a small label based in Bakersfield. Well, that makes me want to go back and watch the scene or at least find the song yeah. um, to listen to. So I will definitely do that. Sure. That song was also featured on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. So, well, in case, case you want, to, which I'm sure we all. <laughs> were you watching? Oh, were yes, you watching? Of course, I remember that. You were well. Come on, no, no one's a horror movie fan. Nothing, no. nothing in the eighties. Well, the, the first one, maybe the first one, but <laughs> not since any of them. All right, Friday the Thirteenth, Little Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, sure, Nightmare on Elm Street because okay. that was. I am. I'm too much of a chicken. I can't. I okay. can't. <laughs> you can't do those. Nope. <laughs> I could do it a little bit in my youth, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I am such a, a baby now. We were showing my son Poltergeist, which I've seen many times. I, I just went to the, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery to watch it this week, this last oh week. My God. And it was great. That looks amazing. It was, it was great to see it there and yeah. know, packed with, with kids to watch this for kids meaning 30 and younger that were watching this. And, and uh, yeah, everyone was, and it was quiet too. Like people were into the movie. People were, were paying attention to yeah, the movie. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Nice. So no, what were very cool. Yeah. So we were watching it. A big jump scare happens and I punched my child. <laughs> I think I, 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 I reacted so strongly that I accidentally that's, him. that's great. So are you, <laughs> do you sit your children down and watch and force them to watch? He wasn't, shows? he wasn't a little child. This was only no, a few I, years ago. I know, but are you saying like, you need to watch this or you need to see this or mom's doing some research, sit down with me because I want you, I want to get your opinion of it. Okay. So my husband's a television writer. We're both writers. So yes, we watch a lot of things and talk about it much to our children's chagrin um, because they just like to watch stuff. And literally we've been told by them, we don't want to like examine it and we don't want to just, just we'll tell you if we liked it or didn't like it, that's it. Stop talking. <laughs> and we are not allowed as parents to what's become known in our family as sky falling. We're not allowed to sky fall things. It's because we took our older kids who were younger, who were, you know, preteens or I don't know when, whenever it came out to see Skyfall. And it was like the first Bond movie we took them to see in a movie theater. And we came out and both my husband and I immediately started talking about the movie and basically breaking it down, which is fun for us. Even if we like things, we tend to like go, okay, and then this and then that. And, oh yeah, now this didn't work and that worked and blah, blah. And we get in the car and we're like, oh, guys, what did you think? Oh. And they're like, well, now that you've skyfalled it, <laughs> I kind of liked it before you started that That's talk <laughs> about what was wrong with it. <laughs> and so we have now have to keep our mouths shut after seeing something, lest we skyfall it. Um, See, but yeah, so we often have sat down and said, OK, here's here's the thing with our, you know, it's really only worked with Owen, our oldest who loves movies. Uh, the other two really just don't care. And in fact, the the more we try to do that, the more they resist it. Um, but they have come to like stuff. So basically with our youngest, we just watch The Office over and over and over again. The the BBC or the Steve Carell? No, the American uh, version. Have you ever shown them the 
Well, if they like the office, the kids love the office. I know they like the the U.S. version. The BBC, I think, is kind of interesting. Like it's only six. It's episodes. very interesting. We've watched it with all of them, the BBC one, oh, but it's you? been a few okay. years. Oh, but okay. yeah, the office is something everyone can agree on, even though we've all seen it five times. Right. That's that's comfort food for them. The office. Parks and Rec for me too. Like I can, watch I love that. Parks and Rec. That I yeah. can just put in. We watch that. Kids put it on in the background. The Good Place. We're rewatching. Oh. It's not as comforting because it becomes so thoughtful, like so twisty and yeah. morally challenging. But brilliant, still brilliant, mm. amazing, brilliant. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Now plug your stuff. You just uh, humbly said, "Yeah, we we write for TV." Blah 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 blah. What? Uh, where can we find? Well, your my stuff? husband writes for TV, so he was on the HBO show Titans for four years. Well, it was actually five years with four seasons because COVID. And then uh, obviously he is now on strike. Yeah. And so, um, so he's guessing, yeah, on the but podcast. he's written, he's written a lot of, he's written a lot of uh, scary stuff. He's kind of a supernatural dude. Uh, so he wrote movies first. So he wrote the Mothman prophecies, a movie, a G- Richard Gere, Laura Lenny movie, but it's a great movie. Um, but he works in television. So he's worked on Graham and supernatural and witches of East end and all sorts of shows. And I write, really independent stuff, mostly theater right now. So, you know, two dying industries. It's great. Uh, <laughs> great. Going great right now. Which is why everyone podcasts now. So Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I used to write movies and I used to write more in Hollywood, mostly um, features and then, and TV movies. And then it was becoming no fun. So I moved to theater. Okay. And Sharon, how did you, the two of you meet? I don't even, what, what is your, your meet cute moment? Well, through a friend, we got that. Yeah. Our aforementioned friend, um, Brittany, who I actually met in line for the first screening of all four Star Wars movies, the original <laughs> series. And we were in line for six hours and, you know, what else are you going to do but sit and talk and order pizza <laughs> and stuff like that. And so we kept in touch and then Brittany went off to USC film school and she met Susan there. And that's how I met Susan. And we've known each other ever since. Sadly, um, our, our friend Brittany passed away 20 years ago, believe it or not. Um, but, uh, we've, we've stayed in touch and Susan was the one that came up with this great idea to do this podcast and called me and said, Hey, do you want to do this podcast with me? And I said, yes, I would. Without without well, Sharon, hesitation, Sharon watches everything. Like it was like who who can talk about <laughs> television and also watches more than I do because so, I don't watch as much modern stuff just because of mostly time. But yeah, and so I was like, oh my god, Sharon, because we had been talking and we always talk about movies and television. <laughs> what have you seen and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff? And I also knew that Sharon loved podcasts. So it felt like, who can I sit and talk with about things can, that we love? Who can <laughs> so, I skyfall with? I need someone who to can skyfall, I skyfall with. with. <laughs> exactly. Very good. I love that you have a term for it. <laughs> yes. yes. As, as, but I, as long as it's after I've seen it, because I'm a huge spoiler phobe. So I just found this. I, I knew you were a spoiler phobe, but I did not find out that you actively avoid trailers for movies. Oh, and refuse to engage with movies whatsoever till you walk in the theater. I, yeah. that's my hat's oh. off to you. I don't know how you do it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's actually not as hard as you might think. 
But yeah, occasionally I've had to go to great lengths and it mostly has stood me in great stead. Um, you know, for instance, as I said earlier about the Wednesday dance, if I had seen oh. it without people telling me, oh my God, this they're hearing out oh, so amazing. Blah, blah. And then it was, it was fine. <laughs> 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 my favorite story is uh, I had not read um, the Dan Brown book. Oh, the, oh, the Vinci the, Code? The, 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 Da Vinci Code. Yes, da Vinci Code. I deliberately didn't. Um, I am literally driving to the theater to see it. I am listening to NPR oh. and they gave it away before I had a chance to reach over and turn the, the radio off. Now, oh. how did they do that? That's the worst. They probably figured the book's been out for a few years. People must know. No, not everybody. And usually you get a little bit of war anyway. So uh, I still enjoy the movie, but still, um, yeah, like I said, it's it's not as hard as you think it might be to just avoid stuff if you really don't want to want to know. All right. Don't want to tell you, but Soylent Green is people. So I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I had to, I had to let you know. I don't know if it's too soon. (laughs) Somehow I, I know that even though I don't think I've ever seen the movie. All right. I know um, I was trying to go as far back. Like yes. I'm, I'm going while you're talking, like I need to find some sort of reference <laughs> way, way, way. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it was one of those things, at least, especially even then that you almost couldn't not know if you were paying attention. Right. Right. Um, but, but nevertheless, uh, it's probably wouldn't have been on my to-do list anyway. So I was afraid of, and still I'm to a certain extent, science fiction scares me. So, <laughs> All right. So yeah, we, we know that now. So no, <laughs> no horror, no science fiction. Uh, yeah. Well. I'm really trying to, my son, who's now 16, is watching The Walking Dead. Oh, nice. And I, I'm trying, but I, I just, what about, sometimes I'm like, I gotta go. Did you watch the other room? What about The Last of Us? Did you watch that? haven't watched last of us you again should, I, it's really hard you should watch. um so good and I, that's what i hear yeah sometimes i feel like we're kind of living in um, well there's a things little, so not, much yeah. that i don't feel like the need to watch any fictional version of it <laughs> i get it I, but also the character because i'm with you i don't do any of that i i don't do horror i don't even do supernatural stuff and but the last of us everybody you know was talking about it my husband wanted to to watch so it hooked me immediately and it's a character you know i mean when it's written when it's well written you know you can appreciate that no matter what you know what it's set in mm-hmm. highly recommend I, I have seen The Last of Us, most of it anyway. There are lots of things I fast forwarded through because, you know. What? Um, are you one of those? Like, okay, I get it. I get it. And you're fast forward. Yep. Well, wow. because I don't, I don't need to see certain things. And sometimes it gets too exciting. And so I'll fast forward. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the moments are so thrilling. I just can't, like, no. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> there was actually a moment, a musical moment, in the series, am I giving it? Well, let me give it away. Dave, right? The Linda Ronstadt song. Yeah. That episode was amazing. Yeah. No question. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's I like haven't a, seen it. There's like a standalone I'm, episode, and that I'm uh, neighbors <sighs> with Gary White, who wrote that song. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> Bringing it all home. There you go. Bring it all home. <laughs> <laughs> Living in the mess. 
And I think I'm gonna love you For a long, long time One of my favorites, yeah. He comes to our Christmas party every year, he and his wife, and they like it because then they can just walk home. Uh, <laughs> so, and he has some amazing stories of being a songwriter in the 70s and 80s uh, he wrote a lot of jingles as well so we yeah. gotta, well, and right. he's like a lot of my friends spent all their money on booze and as soon as i i bought my house with long long time yeah now i can do whatever i want that's awesome that's very cool and, we'll, and deserving i mean that's uh, all right tell him we've got worthy. he's got a podcast that he needs to get on yeah. we, how do we get an invite to this christmas party <laughs> if we do it, you'll have an invite. All right. My wife and I were just in Pasadena and we did like a tour of homes that were on TV shows. It's insane. They're Ooh. all close together. Like we went to the Benson Mansion, we went to the Pee Wee House. <laughs> they're all they're all in this one back to the future. They're all in this little within 15 minutes of each other. It was kind There's of There's a lot of really interesting houses in Pasadena and South Pasadena. Yeah. You know, with different styles of houses too. That's one of the things I like about our neighborhood. It's not like, oh, all the same houses, house types. Yeah. yeah. Um, living in Sherman Oaks. Dave, have you been to the Brady Bunch house? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I lived literally you know, down the block around the corner for years from that house. And somebody had told me that the house was nearby. And I'm like, it's not there. You've got to be here out of your mind. So I was, I was very surprised one day to real, and I walk and I, I walk in the morning. That's my exercise. And, and I walked by it many times and never recognized it. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, right. Because, it's like when you see a celebrity in, you know, at the grocery market, you're like, Oh, it can't be because this isn't <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't register. Like, no, this yeah. is not where this person's supposed to be. On one of my walks is the modern family house, the exterior. And I've been doing the walk for, I don't know, 10 years before someone pointed it out to me. And I was like, oh, now I can't miss it. You know, and now you look at it and you go, of course, how did I not see this for all these years? Yeah. Yeah. I recently visited the Brady Bunch house because it, it went back on the market. I, I was going to say it was for sale. Yeah. yeah. Did you buy it? You yes, I, it. Yeah, I did. I'm, it's right here. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. right here. Let me get, yeah. And it's still 24 hour security. To, yeah, to, really? to this day. Oh, yeah. wow. Always. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's always someone there. I mean, they, they let you take pictures. You could do whatever you, you know, take your pictures, enjoy. But uh, yeah, but there's always someone there to make sure things stay, well, stay in hand. Because they also read, they made it inside look like the right, house. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all yeah. you need is just someone peeking in all the time, just trying to get a picture of the interior. Yeah. I don't know. Could you live in a house like that? Would you buy the, you know, so like a, a t which TV celebrity house would you like to live in? What would be oh, your <laughs> My husband and I have looked at Gull's Way, which was where Hardcastle lived oh. in Hardcastle and McCormick. Okay. Well, McCormick lived there too in the, uh, nice. the guest house <laughs> when they fought crime together. But oh. um, it's in Malibu. And he was a judge, an ex-judge. So he, it was a very nice house. And apparently his wife was a millionaire in the story of the show. But it's a real location in Malibu, very close to Paradise Cove, which is where they shot Rockford Files. So it was a favorite location of Stephen Cannell. And so we, I know that location very well. It was one of the first places I saw and recognized <laughs> from television when I came out to LA and I was like, oh, that's goes. Oh my God, that's good. Cool. Cause it was a real house, real place. And it had a big um, 
area in front where they could park the truck. So that's one of the reasons they used it. So we always joke that we would buy that house. I think it's, it's changed hands a lot. It's really got, it got dilapidated. I don't know what state it's in now, but um, it's probably falling into the ocean at this point because it was right <laughs> over the ocean. From what I can remember, I think I want not the house that Magnum lived in, but the main house. Oh yeah. Why oh. <laughs> they're in the beach. Sure, That's sure. that I think would be at the top of my list where John Houseman lived. There you go. Oh yeah. <laughs> Holly, do you have a, do you have a house? What's your favorite? No, I was, I was just thinking of, um, in your, in the old neighborhood where you guys were, you and and Steve grew up the fast times at Ridgemont high house. Isn't that, wasn't that in your old neighborhood? Which, Oh, I don't, I don't even know. What is the Brad's and Brad. Brad's house. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure that was in your old neighborhood, the exterior. Yeah. I never never knew that. (laughs) Yeah. I could be wrong. You might want to check me on that. That's all right. No worries. (laughs) Yeah, I man. liked Laura Holt's house, which was in the first, it was modeled after Stephanie Zimbalist's actual home, like it, almost oh, exactly. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. But they blow it up in one episode and then she moves into a loft, like with this big sort of loft door. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I want to live there. But Stephanie Zimbalist talks about how it felt very weird to watch them blow up her house, basically. Even it wasn't her house. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. They, yeah. And they always talk about the Brady Bunch, how Mike was an architect, but this house was just designed horribly. You know, like, <laughs> you know, there's one bathroom between the, the six kids and just they're all in one bedroom. I mean, it was just it's insane. Yeah. What a mania. Mike, at least add on. Yeah. Well, yeah. they did have the attic. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in that attic? <laughs> uh, and the charmed and they, house the charmed house was pretty cool right the char- oh the oh. ladies of the charm i think they lived in like with the big attic kind of area but i don't know if you guys watched charmed no and the house in um first prince of bel-air <laughs> sure why not that was pretty cool too that would be fun. Which, which house do I want to live in? Right. I, I, I keep going back to the Hawaii thing. I, as you should. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I want a vacation where, where the White Lotus people, where they're vacationing, everyone in the White Lotus with the, you know, whatever that Oh my season. God. Yeah. That, <laughs> I live like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. All right. Um, it occurred to me that we never talked, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure this was 80s. It might be late 80s, early 90s. We should give a, a mention to Julie Cruz for Twin Peaks for the creating the, the Twin Peaks sound. Was Twin Peaks oh, 80s, was or 80s or 90s? It was 1990. Oh, I was living in New York. Oh, yeah. I remember it that I okay. remember it well. But yeah, Julie. I retract because no, that's, I thought that's but, okay. No, no, <laughs> that's fine because that's that was a huge part of. Uh, I mean, when you talk about the sound intertwined with it, just Mm -hmm. like psychologically intertwined with Mm -hmm. the show, I think that is totally representative. Yeah. Well, and some of the other ones I had on my little list here were China Beach uh, and In the Heat of the Night, both again, existing songs, but became kind of tied to, there was a movie, a film directed by Norman Jewison was based on a book, but did they do the song for the movie or did they do the song? Yeah. It was Quincy Jones. Oh, nice. Oh, um, it was for the movie. And then they used it for the television show, which was from the eighties. 
Carol O'Connor, and Howard Rollins as Virgil Tubbs. song is very tied to that television show it's sort of it's basically about a black cop working with a in the movie more racist white cop but in the television show it's carol o'connor so he's sort of softly racist (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a a much softer version of uh, the movie that is more procedural but and then uh, China Beach was... It was Dana Delaney, right? Wasn't that? It was Dana Delaney yeah. and, the, and a great cast. And then the theme song was uh, Reflections, Diana Ross. Oh. Oh. Wow. That's, and that's a good one. a really yeah. cool montage opening. I remember, I, I mean, like, again, I'm, that's, I haven't seen it recently. So, oh, so when you hear uh, Reflections, you think of the, monta- the China Beach I do. montage. Yeah. 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 Through the mirror of my mind Time after time I see reflections of you and me Reflections of the way life used to be Reflections of the love you took from me and that's a, a show, show. I, I will, we do want to cover. I want to cover at some point just because it's very, it's sort of, it feels like it is late eighties and it feels like a late eighties show. And yet it also is, you know, very much designed to be female driven. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to look at it. I've never watched it. Me either. Well, there I you, just, you got some fresh eyes for, for this. Indeed. All right. <laughs> Sharon, did you have anything else on your list? I had um, a different world. The opening for that show, that song went through a couple of different iterations. Aretha Franklin probably most notably sang that song for the show. And 227. The opening song was sung by Marla Gibbs. Yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are two 80s shows that were on my list in terms of theme songs. But then for non-80s TV shows, uh, I think I think we've actually mentioned all of them except maybe Night Court. I really like the theme song for that, too. Um, for the life of me, I cannot think Can you of, sing it? I could not oh, it's, think it's, of the it's, There are no lyrics. It's like instrumental, right? Yeah, it's instrumental. It's mm-hmm. kind of upbeat and jazzy, kind of. But yeah, I, it's definitely not singable. Did they did they use the same thing for the, the reboot? See, there, there's another show that, that had a reboot. Did, yes. you, enjoy, did you like I, that? I think they did use the same music for the opening. The new show is maybe it'll find its way, but it was still kind of raw from at the beginning. So hopefully by the time it comes back, it'll have found its footing a little bit better, maybe hopefully. And it will come back. You think? Uh, I think they've already shot the second season. Oh, okay. You know, they apparently had already started shooting it in the second season because of the impending strike. 
And I believe they had finished it, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm sure a lot of TV shows did that. Banged yeah, there was a lot of racing yeah. to uh, yeah get things in the well, can. Yeah, and it helped. It's only a half hour show. So that's a little bit, for lack of a better word, easier than an hour drama to try to you know bank some episodes. All right. Every episode of Night Court opens and closes with a jazz-influenced bass-heavy theme tune composed by Jack Elliott, featuring Ernie Watts on saxophone. Mm while featuring video footage of prominent New York City landmarks such as the Brooklyn Bridge and the New York County Courthouse. There you go. You got to have some bass in your bass and saxophone. That's all. That's really what you need for a theme. That's all you need. Maybe a little guitar riff. Maybe just just a little little wonky guitar. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So my favorite theme, it's actually from the seventies and it had nothing to do with the show. It was by Bob James. And I can't remember the name of the song, but it was an instrumental and it just shows a taxi going over the bridge and it's for taxi. I was, I was just thinking of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it just like, you have no idea what you're in for with this show, but it's, it's just this chill music. And then, yeah. and then it opens and then there's insanity. I just, yeah. I just, I, and, you know, there's Louis De Palma and like he's doing his thing, but that was, that's always been my favorite, that, that opening, just simple and then surprising that it's something completely different. Holly, what's your favorite TV intro? Just just throw out one. Well, I told you, I already told you, Rockford Files. That, That was, I guess I would have to say it's my favorite, but it's the one that springs to mind. So it's the most memorable for me, but oh my God. I mean, there were so many, like, I mean, I think about what this was seventies. So we did, we didn't mention it, but welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Who'd have thought they'd lead ya? Who'd have thought they'd lead ya? Back here where we need ya. Back here where we need ya. Yeah, we tease him a lot. Cause we got him on the spot. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome oh yeah. Back. John Sebastian. Yeah, yes. Love exactly. But also like the happy days and Laverne and Shirley, those were all, I mean, you sing them, you actually sing those. Yeah. And, yeah. Don't forget the Mary Tyler Moore, um, open, Mary yes. Tyler Moore show, that song as well. That was, yeah. that's a great one too. Yeah. So many. Right, right. I know. I know. You go Did, on and on. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, uh, Susan, maybe you have so some enlightenment or either one of you why <laughs> why is there no theme music anymore why is it just we just Money? gotta get to, is that that's the reason we because just, the the time that used to be devoted to theme songs is now being sold for commercials oh okay so 
you know, the episodes are shorter and that means that they use the extra time to sell more commercials. So they found that that was better for the bottom line than, you know, having these minute and a half, two minute opening songs that, yeah, it really has come down to that. Time is so precious in television shows now. It Mm -hmm. really, there's so much story packed into so many shows and shows aren't the same thing anymore, right? It used to be something you settle into, get your TV dinner, gather everybody around, somebody hits the bathroom. Like it was like the overture of a musical. We don't really have those anymore either, right? Like it's very rare you have an overture, you know, so much is consumed streaming and all this kind of stuff. And and that skip the intro yeah. is right there. And a lot of people I think do that because yeah, I, I've heard that, you know, you're not getting settled in anymore. You're just consuming pretty quickly. So it's an easy open package now. And you're not trying to set the tone. Like you're not leaving, you know, it it was an interesting thing. You needed to set a tone. You needed to remind people where they were, what they were watching. You didn't always know what you were going to get unless you were paying attention, right? Like, okay, I'm turning on what's on NBC right now. It's eight 30. Oh, I just got home, whatever. You know, like it's like music. We don't have quite the same way we approach music either it's kind of a shame it'd be interesting to see it come back yeah i will actually if i I may qualify what i said though um i was speaking specifically about network television ad supported television in terms of and that's where it started but now as streamers are getting more you know prolific there are starting to be some shows that do have pretty great openings i'm thinking of game of thrones in uh, particular game of thrones was, oh, yeah you know i was going to mention that's i was going to mention succession as well because that's, mm-hmm. that's a, that was been my favorite theme of, of and shows that stream don't have the pressure of needing to fit in to a certain amount of time for each episode they have more flexibility mad men is another one if you want to go back a little bit earlier even even though that aired on a cable channel, they had flexibility in terms of the length of each episode that network shows do not. So that is where it started. So it'll be interesting to see if it becomes more prolific in terms of having an opening, like more of an opening, but I don't know if audiences have the patience anymore to sit through it. Personally, I love the, I always love the opening of the game. I'm I'm a big game of Thrones fan. Anyway, I won't get it. Um, <laughs> that's our, that's that our opening next is great. The, yeah. the opening. Yeah. And, and it sets, and it tells you where you're going to be each episode. Right. It takes you across the breadth of the, the space that this, this world exists in. And yeah, it has all kinds of things going on in it that, that are very interesting and really great tone setting for the show. I think to a certain extent, that's still a little bit of an exception rather than the rule, but I'd like to see more of that. I do. I do really kind of miss it. Clearly we miss it because we're, we've yeah. been talking for two hours about this. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We haven't. I was just going to, because you're absolutely right, Sharon, about consume. We just, we consume now. And I'm so excited to get to my programming every day that, you know, I, I do skip, I, I skip all intros and every so often my husband will, will say, no, let, don't, don't, don't hit the button yet. Are there any, aside from Game of Thrones that you would watch now and wait to get to your actual programming? Um, nothing else immediately comes to mind. The office. Yeah. We watched it so many times and we still, still, because we love, cause it's got the little still. teaser. There's usually the teaser and then they go into the opening mm-hmm. and that opening is as iconic as the British opening in terms of just a, a, you know, it's not a 
vocal, but it's really um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah they got I just it. thought of, I just thought of another one: the Good Fight on Paramount, and has an amazing opening that doesn't always come at the top of the show. Sometimes it's been as much as fifteen minutes into the show before they get to that. Sometimes wow. it's right at the beginning, somewhere it's in between. But again, they have flexibility. They're not trying to hit a commercial break. It's it's a streaming show. The opening on that show is really is really great. Yeah, it's interesting. They they yeah. they're doing it with movies too. That you know, just like waiting to yeah. get to the title. You know, anything else? <laughs> we've taken so much. I know it's. I think we've covered so much. Right? Clearly, yeah. we could just keep talking. Yeah, it's a very Our special favorite episode. thing to do. A very special episode. <laughs> so, anyway, um, thank you, Susan, Sharon. This was wonderful. Uh, so much fun. We love talk TV. What a great opportunity! Yeah. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Hey, Holly. Hey, Dave. Welcome to the What Difference Does It Make podcast and mostly 80s music podcast. Yeah, we talked to the artists and the music industry insiders that made the 80s the greatest decade for music. If you listen to probably a new wave radio station back in the 80s, if you can name all five members of the MTV VJs, if you remember Spandau Ballet. Or the Go-Go's. Or the Smithereens. Or Dramarama. Or Wang Chung. Or Animotion. Or if you remember the 80s at all, then this is going to be the podcast for you. We are What Difference Does It Make? And we have new episodes every Friday. So check us out. You can follow us on our social media pages, which can be found where? At WDDIM Podcast and on YouTube, where we will have lots of outtakes from this chat with the 80s TV ladies and much more at What Difference Does It Make Podcast on YouTube. Thank you for joining us for this very special crossover episode with the 80s music podcast, What Difference Does It Make? Listen to part one over at What Difference Does It Make podcast. That's WDDIMpodcast.com. Be sure to check out our next episode for the return of the 90s TV babies. We're going to find out what they think about It's a Living. It's going to be exciting and new. Come aboard. We'll be expecting you. That's a different sitcom. <laughs> Come aboard. We're expecting you. Man. Oh, love boat. As always, we hope 80s TV Ladies brings you joy and laughter and lots of fabulous old and new shows to watch, all of which will bring us closer toward being amazing ladies of the 21st century.